so I want to just say thank you all for coming and for your patience waiting for me then as well and for giving up your time um, to come on my show but also just for the work what I believe is a worthy cause of healing the patriarchy with love so thank you for coming and joining me for that I just want to kind of just want to give the audience a little bit of background um, because this is the first time I've done the show in this format so I just sort of want to talk them through a little bit about what's happening because my regular listeners might find it a bit unusual that's all so this is going to be a video and I've invited um, a panel of women to come and join and to talk about the topic of grief and normally I just interview, you know, a maximum of one or two people in, in an episode. And normally it's only audio. So this will be available as a video on Spotify and potentially on YouTube. So some people will be watching it and then some people will be listening to it because I'm going to also put it as an audio on Apple and Google and Amazon and some other platforms as well. We'll feed it through to as many as possible to reach as many people as possible. So I'm just going to refer to people as the audience. Normally they would be listeners. So it's just kind of to take in the viewers and the listeners. Now, if you're a viewer, you might find that I'm over commentating what's happening. And that's just because some people will be listening on audio. And if they're listening on audio, they might just need a little bit more information. than. Uh, than what you need okay so um do, how does everybody feel about just kind of introducing yourselves a little bit one by one to the audience do you feel okay to do that yeah so should we Claire do you feel ready to start and just kind of introduce yourself and just tell the audience just to, you know a little bit about yourself where you're based that kind of thing oh hello um I'm Claire and I'm based in London, um, but I do quite a lot of the time um, scoot off down to Devon. Um, so I'm between a city and a rural life. <laughs> um, so um, I'm currently collaborating with Trista and the Girl God books on an upcoming anthology called The Wounded Feminine, Grieving with Goddess. Um, so this is great for me to take part in. Um, so thank you very much um, for having me. Um, my background's in the arts and magazines, but recently I've been moved moving towards feminism and the mystical and um, with a kind of uh, accessing creativity at, at the core, really, of, of what I'm trying to do. Um, so that's me. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a contributor, regular contributor at Gargob Books, Majo Books, and I've got a column at RTME magazine. So um, the subject of sort of goddess feminism is really um, in my heart. Thank you very much. Oh, that was lovely, Claire. And, and this is the first time that I've met Claire as well. So it was really nice for me just to get to know you a little bit more there as well, Claire. Thank you for that. And yeah, perfect timing for the uh, the anthology. Hey, it sounds great. Arlene, do you feel ready to introduce yourself a little bit? Oh, 
Well, I think you just need to um, unmute. Yeah. That's um, it, yeah. I'm Bailey, and I live in the Appalachian Mountains in North Carolina. So it's quite rural, but it's really lovely. The ancestral lands of the Pelagi, better known as the Cherokee. Um, I, I'm an anthropologist by training and spent many years in many different countries working with women. Um, about 10 years ago, I began writing. I've written all my life, but I really began writing 10 years ago. And then I met Trista, sort of lost track now and how many books we've done together. But, um, yeah, that's been real, real opening for me. And, and I love working with little five books because my passion now is I am, I'm a, I always say I'm not a woman on a quest to know the deepest love. And I want other women to know that as well. So uh, I have a Facebook page that's called Her Sacred Wild. And it's about women rewilding their, their wild souls, rewilding themselves. And um, I'm starting some group work in the fall and um, working with Trista on the Women's sovereignty and body autonomy to get that out soon. So, yeah, lots of projects going on. But my biggest passion is helping remember, helping women remember that, that innately they have a wild soul. That's where they should be leading, you know, where they can be. And thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, no, thank, thank you for coming, Arlene. I love to hear about you as well, because, again, we've only just met, haven't we? And I particularly like that rewilding the feminine. <laughs> yes, big yes to that. So thank you. Um, Trista, do you feel ready to introduce yourself? I can do that. Uh, hi, I'm Trista Hendren. I'm the founder of Girl God Books. Um, I have a very different background for in like banking finance. <laughs> um, and I came to this work about 12 years ago. Um, my daughter actually sort of pushed me into it because I was raising her as a feminist, but also in an interfaith um, household, both Muslim and Christian. Um, but I realized through her that that was really doing her a disservice. And um, so I wrote my first book in response to a conversation that we had when she was five. And then the ideas just kept coming and I kept meeting all these wonderful women from all over the world, like Arlene and Claire, and have, I think, over 50 books now. So it's been lots and lots and lots of things, but it's been a wonderful journey. So thank you for having me on. Honestly, thank you. And that's the first time I've met Trista as well. So it was lovely to hear that. And um, I've been following Trista's page on Facebook, Girl God Books, for years. 
And so this is like a dream come true for me to have you free here with me. So thank you for allowing me that honor. I really appreciate it. Um, so what happened was I work very intuitively. So similar really to what, what you three have been talking about is kind of like following the path of the feminine, the, the intuition and just kind of that deep knowing. And I had a deep knowing with this podcast that I needed to kind of do special one-offs every now and again. And I'm kind of going to fit them in with the wheel of the year, I think, because I tend to, my life tends to flow that way as it does for many women. And so the intuition came to me to do one about grief. And at the time I was kind of like, I mean, okay, I'll follow my intuition because I always do. Um, and it's not always logical, but it didn't make sense at the time. But as it happens, I'm actually grieving now. So and that's quite a, quite a recent thing. So the timing has ended up being, you know, perfect timing for this, really. So that was kind of like the heart based intuition thing that's kind of led us all to be together. But the kind of the head part really is that, you know, because patriarchy is inherently based on a lie because it's based on inequality and the ultimate truth of this planet is that everything comes from the divine. So everything is equal. I feel that patriarchy just distorts everything that it touches because it's been a lie that's been around for centuries. And so it becomes when a lie has been around for centuries, it becomes an illusion that, you know, many people either can't see or or maybe they even buy into it. Um, and I know everybody's on a different path with that and at different places, but because it distorts everything that it touches, it also distorts things like, you know, people's view of grief, um, people's beliefs around grief, how people grieve. Um, a very simple example of that would just be that, you know, it affects all genders insofar as patriarchy doesn't want women to grieve. Because if women are grieving, they're taken out of the equation and they can't be used and abused. Essentially, they can't be slaves if they're, you know, grieve. If we're grieving properly, we can't be slaves. So it doesn't like grief because of that. But also it doesn't like men to grieve because that's them being weak, you know, and not being men. And you can see that it's this kind of out of balance, controlling, manipulative, abusive energy that comes with patriarchy that kind of runs through it, that makes um, things like grieving, it, it oppresses the grieving process. So what I really want to do today, and I'm so grateful to have you here as as what I, I consider you to be um, sort of like wisdom keepers of, of the planet kind of thing. So I'm so grateful to have you here today to help to um, bring to light the truth about grief and to bust some of the myths that patriarchy um, has planted into the planet around grief. You know, just ridiculous things like... Um, Within two weeks of somebody's death, you should be, you know, fully back, fully functioning at work. You know, and, and many places of employment will give somebody one to two days compassionate leave. I mean, how they can even call that compassionate? <laughs> what? You know, uh, most people that lose somebody close to them one to two days, they're probably still in shock and Another man to then just go back to work and get on with things. And 
you know, I think another one that really gets me is that there's this idea that after two years, grief just ends <laughs> miraculously. I mean, who comes up with these timescales, really? You know, so it's kind of things like that that patriarchy has put in place that aren't true, aren't kind, and aren't compassionate leave that I would like to talk about today. And I would really love to get your candid and um, raw, and as Arlene said, wild um, feminine views on this. And, and I welcome all your views and all your beliefs and all your perspectives on it. And I hope that we can just have a really good um, discussion about it and bring to light the truth. So can we maybe begin with just talking about what your experiences of grief have been like for yourselves? And this can either be personal or, or your generic, wherever your comfort and your boundary is with talking about grief, that's that's absolutely fine with me. So I just thought it would be good if you could talk about kind of the the somatic body experience of grief, how it affects life, how it touches everything, that kind of thing. So kind of I'm talking about the kind of the real feminine essence that is in grief. Does does anybody kind of want to start and and maybe talk about that a bit? And to put your hand up if you want to start. Just wanna, Claire, yeah, do you want to go then, Claire, and just tell um, us a bit? Yeah, so um, I was just, I just wanted to say that um, in general, without being put into a situation where you're actually grieving, women within patriarchy are actually grieving anyway, whether they realise it or not. Um, I was lucky enough to do a mental health course with a friend of mine who was chairing it. And he had the, he said that he talked about the stress cup being full when you're overwhelmed. And I actually think that women's grief cup is full. So, um, and that's from the wounding. And then the reason why we called um, the anthology, the wounded feminine is because it's an archetype that we're, we all are, all of us are, even if we don't realize it. And I've just made a few notes. So I'm just gonna read them out. And I'm sorry if it, I'm gonna come across as being a bit wooden, but this is quite important subject. I don't want to miss anything. Um, so I've just said it's an archetype in anguish describing deep psychological, emotional and spiritual scarring of a generational trauma created by the patriarchal betrayal of women, which is a cycle in perpetuation. So it's almost like anything that's added to what we're already experiencing, whether we're aware of it or not, is actually quite a burden. And um, maybe later I'll talk about the physical impact on the endocrine system and all the rest of it. So thank you very much for letting me say that. Yeah. Oh, Claire, that was such a good point because, yeah, I feel like I'm always grieving. And actually I had a friend come. It was my birthday last week and my friend came and I was kind of crying a bit on and off. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I, you know, I'm grieving. And she did actually say to me, you're always grieving. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> There's always something that I'm grieving, but I hadn't really um, thought about it in terms of we're all grieving because we're in a patriarchal society, which is damaging to us and painful for us to exist in so thank you so much Claire for bringing that up because that's so true and 
I'm sure that's something that, you know, our audience, you know, will be able to resonate with. And and perhaps like me, they've just kind of had a light bulb moment and gone, oh, yeah, that's it. You know, that is what's happening. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Does anybody else want to share their ideas on grief and, and how it's experienced? And has anybody else got anything? I can yeah, um, this may be all over the place, and I apologize for that. Um, you know, it's part of the, uh, um, I came of age in the 60s and early 70s, and so I would say throughout my lifetime, there's been a sense of collective grief. Um, you know, whether it was you know, from different wars that we were in, you know, the fight for women's rights, um, you know, trying to trying to create a world where where we as women had the same opportunities as men did, you know, if we had the same education. And again, I'm in, I mentioned earlier I'm an anthropologist by training, and that's what my my work in the world was. Um, and I was constantly battling, you know, that that mentality that this was a man's job. You know, even though I was specifically working with women regarding women's health care, I was still constantly battling. Um, personally. Um, you know, my mother died a few days after my 26th birthday, very suddenly. I didn't really, at that age, I didn't know how to grieve. Um, I mean, the grief was there, but I didn't really understand. I, did, I didn't have an embodied knowing of grief at 26 years old. Um, you know, and I've had other, you know, relatives and friends die throughout the years. But I'll try not to get them too emotional. Um, two years ago, with no warning, my husband was diagnosed with stage four public cancer and given two to four months to live. He actually lived nine months, but I say lived with quotes. He was alive for nine months. I know myself very well. Um, the only children we have are four or four feet. I'm not a caregiver. And I went into the whole experience saying that I'm not a caregiver. Caregiver and my experience. Um, and yet, I, again, living rurally and living in a very rural county, there was very little um, support from hospitals. We had hospitals, but very little support. My grief began the minute that diagnosis was handed in. And very, very, very unlike me. 
something told me to create a group of my women friends, because that's predominantly what I have, was to create a group that was just be called, you know, I don't even remember them exactly something about, you know, a healing story. And I don't know how I would have gotten through those nine months without the women in that group. I I wrote a lot. I have I have a compilation of 34, maybe 40 different writings called the Death Writings that I will publish because they are so antithetical to the mainstream idea of grief and the mainstream idea of of how you're supposed to act and how long you're supposed to act and. Um, you know, there was a lot of contradictions during during that nine month time. What I've really experienced was the fact that it's now um, I am now nineteen months beyond my death, and my grief is worse now than it was in the beginning. And people don't understand that. People, well, what do you mean you're still grieving? It's almost two years. It's been two years since the diagnosis. You should be over this. Well, no, you can't do that. That's, you, that's not the way we do things in this country. You know, it's all these things you can't do and all the books that make it, make the transition to death seem like this beautiful, Amazing thing if you if you just play the right songs and, and read the right poetry, read the right authors, and so tell me now if I have to watch my language because I tend to have okay good because that that's fucking ridiculous, you know. It's like well if you just if you just ask God for help, well first of all. God does not exist in my world, you know. I I talk to goddess all the time. But, you know, it, it in that whole grief cycle, you're dealing with the family of your beloved who is very religious. You know, there's all these little components that come in and um and it's patriarchy. It's patriarchy telling us this is how grief is handled. Anything outside this nice little neat container is not acceptable. Um, I fought that. I'm still fighting that. And that has become a passion of mine as well. It's like, so what? If it's two years later, I met my husband the first night I was at university. On August 17th of this year, that will be 52 years ago. We married two years later. August 17th will be my 50th wedding year. We made it 48 years. You don't just turn off your feelings. 
you know, you don't just, oh, well, okay, it's been two years. I'm okay now. Or it's been two months or two weeks or, or even going through the process. You know, people will say, oh, well, just, you know, they'll take Patrick Hayden and say, it's okay. He's going to be in a better place. We don't know that. You know, or just let's just give him some more medication and he won't feel it. Again, we don't really know what they can. You know. I know before Larry was drugged to the point that he, he, he didn't have much conversation. And we would have the most amazing conversations before. Because I would say, well, where'd you go? I, I just, who did you see? If he was already starting to cross the veil and he was starting, you know, to see um, his parents and other people that had seven years ago. And the mainstream medical community and his family was like, he's delusional, he really needs a medical. Like no. Yeah. When he feels like he needs to be medicated, it is his choice. That's the other thing that that I found very patriarchal was the fact that the person who was dying had no choice. And what the medical system decided. The way to handle it. But I'd be wrong for days about how patriarchy makes death and grieving so much harder than it needs to be. Thank you, Arlene. And I'm so sorry about your husband and about the patriarchal systems that do indeed make death, the process of dying and grief harder. And it's already difficult enough. Thank you for such a raw and honest share. And you've brought up some very valid issues there that I hope we can maybe touch on a bit more later on. Thank you. Trista, do you have anything that you want to share? on the experiences of grief? <laughs> I am a bit emotional after, especially Arlene's uh, share. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting that you said that you are also in grief yourself right now, because I am as well. Um, my cousin, who's three months younger than me, passed 10 days ago. And going back to some of what Arlene said, I think I grieve when I, as soon as she said pancreatic cancer, I knew, okay, that's it. But she was supposed to live three months and she made it nine and it was absolute hell for her. And yeah, just really, really, really horrible. So I would say, although I'm grieving in some way, I think I did my grieving early on. It's like, okay, this is not fair, we're too young to die. 
but but I also felt this sense of relief for her that she wasn't suffering so much anymore. And um, yeah, I think there's a lot there, a lot to be said for the system that we live in with with how we um, deal with death. And I've said to a couple of my close friends, if I had a different calling or a bit more time, I would be very drawn to be a death doula um, because I cared for three of my grandparents before they passed for many, many months. And I actually like caregiving. I, For me, I found that was just as meaningful as giving birth to my children, but it's, I definitely think it's not for everybody. It's really, really tough work. And it probably some of why I like it is because I was socialized so well into patriarchy that, you know, being a mother and being a caregiver, I mean, I can definitely see where it has cost me a lot. Um, but I, I do feel like that was a really meaningful time for me with all three of my grandparents and I'm grateful that I had it. So yeah, I'll just leave it at that for now. Thank you again, Trista, for your, again, another very honest and open share and a raw share. And I'm sorry about your cousin. Gosh, yeah, there's so much in the system, isn't there, that kind of is unsupportive. Um, and actually, it's worse than that, because being unsupportive is one thing, but I think actually creating more pain within an already painful situation is a step beyond being unsupportive and that that's kind of what I've I've been hearing amongst that really is that you know patriarchy is adding pain on top of pain really unnecessarily I just wonder what we can do about that I don't know where you're at because I know we've just had quite a raw share so I don't want to kind of move things on too quickly if anybody needs a little moment then I'm happy to do that um, Claire, have you got something to say? Do you want to come and talk? Is that why you're holding your hand up? Yeah, 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 come on. <laughs> come. Um, I just um, wanted to add to um, maybe more of a, a, a step back observation on what everyone has just been saying, which are very personal experiences. Um, again, I'm going to read this because um, it's just succinct. Um, patriarchy has done terrible things to vulnerable women, and that's grieving women included. Predators tune in. Some want your body, some want your soul. And this is from experience. Um, so I, I, I don't understand, or I don't see how, unless women remove themselves from the patriarchal space, how they can grieve properly. Um, and make sense of the unbearable painfulness of being. And I've coined the phrase male theism, which is like monotheism, but just with men, theism, because it's a system that fears emotion and shames the vulnerable. Um, so, and actually women are surviving in this system and public and psychological space are actually male space and they deny the female experience. Um, so really, uh, in the general space, only male language is, is spoken. And I think, you know, we can see that through Mary, who's, our, you know, the icon that's given back to women. And she's silent. 
she's an icon in silence and actually you can't grieve in silence you need to verbalize so um you know and, and i've just said this when state and religion collude to cement masculine power and undermine and control women it makes sense to look to a spiritual age before patriarchy even existed where the goddess held power so uh, you know i think there is a positive to be taken from this and it's up to us to try and make create change mm. yeah i agree that everywhere there's kind of set up isn't it for the masculine it's not set up for women for woman to exist within it um and that is painful and that itself causes grief and and as as we've been saying it causes pain on top of pain that's not necessary what i'm sort of feeling into now is that maybe we're moving a bit more into kind of um what you just touched on there claire you know we can't just exist within this patriarchal system because it's damaging women so what do we do about it do we just set up communities of just women <laughs> just you know i mean i'm just throwing ideas out there you know what do we do has anybody got kind of um solutions or ideas that they want to share or or maybe even if you want to talk a little bit more about kind of how how difficult it is to exist within a patriarchal system and be grieving if anybody maybe wants to talk about that but I, I'm open to talking about that or solutions whatever's kind of there for you if anybody's got something on that Arlene yeah Laurie and I were both raised Southern Baptist, and we both um, we both overcame it, as we put it. And he became, you know, interested in druidry and became a druid. I was, you know, I mean, I went through different cycles. I mean, particularly, you know, witch, goddess woman. You know, I'm a feminist at heart, and 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 goddess is my my spiritual tradition. And that's the easiest way to say that. And it was for him too. And he and I spent we spent hours talking about how his death, what he was, and everything. And then the fight began with the family. Ooh is very religious and my sister is married to a country Baptist preacher which that makes it worse than if it was an educated large city preacher but we he and I Larry and I we built altars um, while he was still able to walk around we built altars we already had altars outside. we had 18 acres and we had you know just different little vignettes here and there as you walk through the woods, but we built even more altars. We built altars in our house. And we had to fight. I had to fight his family when they would come because they, they, you know, that, I mean, my sister quit speaking to me because of the altars in my house. Now, these are not 
you know, they're, they're beautiful spaces with beautiful things, at least to us, you know, but it was just the fact that, you know, they'd want to come and pray, pray over Larry. And he said, please don't let them do that. And I said, I won't, I, I won't, I'll fight them. You know, hospice wanted to send out, you know, clergy. And I said, no, we don't. That is not our belief system. But from every, from every side, it was a constant fight. And, you know, I don't, I felt like I needed to have imprinted on my, my forehead. We are choosing the death experience, not just me. My husband is choosing the death experience that he wants. And he has a right to it. I don't care. I don't care what patriarchy says. I don't care what the rules are. I don't care what the standard mode of operating in the system is. That is not our belief. We are not part of the community. Yeah. And then when I would say that Larry's beliefs were, you know, druidic and my beliefs were goddess oriented, which really they both just kind of blended together, people would be just utterly horrified. And then they would start, of course, the whole hell conversation. And I'm like, quit stopping. We don't believe in hell. You can stand here and talk all day if you want, but we don't believe. That is not our belief system. But I had to fight for that with everybody, with the doctors, with hospitals, with their family. And I just wanted, you know, everybody says you need to write a book. And I'm like, man, if I can go back through that, you know. Um, because there's such, he and I would talk about how dying could be so different. And um, if we could just, if we could just step out of patriarchy for a month, I don't know what that's going to take because it's all so embedded. You know, when we said he wasn't, you know, when he said he wasn't going to have a funeral, again, everybody was horrified. I said he doesn't want one. Oh, but that's what you're supposed to do. That's that phrase a lot. Well, this is what you're supposed to do when this happens. That is what patriarchy says you're supposed to do. We choose to be different. That is not our belief. Patriarchy is not our belief. Um, and, and again, even all the books that tell you how to how to deal with grief through it all missed so much i mean because you know they're they're, they're coming out of patriarchal beliefs coming out of patriarchal religion um, and i don't know wow i mean i don't know how we get beyond that other than individuals Thank you, Arlene. That gave a real insight into that, you know, that kind of battle that you were in when 
just love and the the freedom to just be your individual selves as you were and I could really sense this it was almost like an attack from all these different angles and not really the space to breathe within the process and I guess that is what patriarchy does because it just is so um controlling I always find it very controlling patriarchy and it's got this kind of like one track and anything that doesn't go along with that one track is going to get run over basically um you know it's kind of seen as wrong instead of you know the goddess is more for me you know this kind of divine feminine or however you want to think of it this this healed world without patriarchy is a much more open space it feels like there's people are free to be the individuals that they are and express themselves in the way that they want to express themselves and and that doesn't look like you know what it might look the mainstream looks like today um and many people i feel just go along with the mainstream and maybe don't even realize that it doesn't fit them I think they don't even realize it because it's been so, you know, hammered into us that this is this this is how we should be. And as you so beautifully shared. That's okay, um, go on. It's it's so ingrained, regardless of what what precipitates the grief, the way we handle grief. And the way we had, you know, the process going through grief, it's there's a nice little box that what is acceptable is putting. And if you you don't take your cue from all those little pieces of paper in that very acceptable little box, then you're wrong. So you're you're fighting, you're fighting multiple things. You know, you're you're trying to deal with the grief while people are telling you the way you're dealing with it is wrong. And you're trying that you're trying to carve out your niche that works for you. And again, patriarchy is still telling you, well, you need to do this, you need to do this. I don't know how many times I told Hoskins I didn't want to be in their grief because I knew that it would be religious based. And I didn't, I didn't want to have to deal with the grief and deal with the religion and try to explain where I was coming from, only to know I would be looked at as evil. I mean, it's just, it's just, just a ball of wax that's so, got so many pieces to it and it's so glued together. And honestly, I don't, I was going to say, I don't, I don't know how that ever changes, but for me, it changes with each one of us stepping up and saying, no, that's not, that, that's not my belief system. That's not the way I live or work. I can feel that. I can really feel that actually that, that, you know, each person that says no and does it differently the way that you did is actually seeding the change. 
you know, one of the necessary changes. So thank you for doing that, Arlene. Thank you for being a trailblazer in very difficult circumstances. And Trista, are you wanting to speak? Yeah, I was just going to say that all of this goes to show just how deeply ingrained patriarchy is. Even, you know, I'm here in Bergen, Norway, coming from Portland, Oregon. But it's, you know, people always say, oh, but I'm not religious and it doesn't have that big of an effect on me and whatever. But when you get to death experiences or, you know, it's almost always at a church, you come back, you sing the same, you know, Christian songs, mostly if you're, you know, most people here are Christian anyway. Um, but it reminded me, too, of when my mother's mom passed, that she was a staunch atheist and did not want anything to do with, you know, hospice, the same thing, pushing all this church crap on her. And she just wanted none of it. And it even actually, she had a horrible death story because she had thought that she was on assisted suicide and called everyone to the house to say goodbye. Um and then hospice came, she had had a born again Christian doctor who never put in the paperwork for her. So he, he didn't believe in that, but he didn't bother to give her the <laughs> respect of telling her that. So she, the last um, 10 days of her life were just an absolute living hell. And um, yeah, I could go on and on about that. But I just, I remember sitting there with her and trying to even, and this is before my whole journey with Girl God and Goddess and everything, but um, I've always sang and I was trying to sing soothing songs to her and just trying to think of songs that weren't religious, you know, that were soothing. And it was hard. Um, and that's, we've come out with now two, one um, revised hymnal and one um, solstice uh, Christmas songs. Because I think really we have to, in terms of like what we can do, we have to change the way we think about things. And some of us, I don't even, and I wasn't for a long time either. We're not even aware of what we think. Oh, you're just breaking up a little bit there. Well, Sorry, I'll leave it to someone else then. <laughs> oh. Oh no, oh, I was in, I was enjoying that. I'm so sorry, Trista. No, you no, just it's broke okay. up a little bit. But it's so frustrating yeah. if I try to talk and you can't hear me anyway. So Okay. Well, thank you for that um story about your mother's death as well. And that sounds awful. I just it's hard to believe that these things go on, but we know that they do. Um and yes, I hear you as well about the songs. You know, it's difficult sometimes to pick out what to do with people during the death. I, I've been with my male relatives when they've died. And I don't know why it's just men, but it is. It's just the men in the family. I'm with them when they die. And it's always been really quite hard to know how to approach it because I've been quite young when I when I've been with my granddad's I was quite young and then um my dad that was like in 2017 but it, I didn't quite I had quite a difficult relationship with my dad so that that was difficult for other reasons and he had he had been brought up quite a strict um Christian but then had dropped religion altogether so I didn't have a basis really for how to be with him in his death so I I know what you mean it's kind of like um 
we're almost kind of pulling things just out of our intuition, aren't we? When, when we're trying to create our own process for grief, because it's been so oppressive. Um, and again, the dying process, which, you know, you talked about assisted um, dying there as well with your mother. I think, you know, everything has become so set and that's that box that Arlene was talking about that, to try and step outside of that and do what you feel is right for you and whoever it is that you're with that is either dying or grieving. It's difficult to source the creative ideas sometimes, I feel, because everything is geared towards, as, as everybody's mentioned here, towards patriarchy and religion and the very set mainstream and standard way of doing things and the way of the goddess is not set like that, is it? You know, it's um, her very nature is creative and she's the one that creates all the different possibilities within the universe and everything is birthed through her. So to have these tight boxes and constrictive rules and regulations and, you know, people who, um, as you've just mentioned there about, you know, I just, that born again Christian doctor, I just thought, you know, um, overriding people's rights in order to defend their patriarchal views is quite shocking. But I guess that does that does go on. And how do we how do we deal with that? I mean, what happened, Trista? How did you deal with that when that happened? Did you I, speak? I, I hope you can hear me. I just wanted to clarify that it was my mother's mom who passed, not my mom. My mom is very much alive. Oh, sorry. Oh. No, no, I just, I still think it's. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. Oh, Don't God. sorry. I just wanted to clarify just so, so she listens to it. And she's like, yeah. Oh, no. Trista's mom, I'm so sorry. Um, I think we, for me, laughter is a good way to deal with things also. Um, but uh, no, I, I don't have a good answer as to how we deal with, we had to just wait it out. And it was it was torture for everybody to see her pass that way because she was always such a strong woman and she they took away all her dignity and all her choices. And it, it was just absolutely horrifying, so. Mm. that's a very patriarchal death isn't it a death where people the person's um rights are taken from them yeah that's very patriarchal hi claire do you want to speak um yes i do actually um so i think what you're talking about is really interesting which is um assisting the dying and obviously it's something that none of us are trained for. I mean, priests are, but we've already discussed that actually this isn't necessarily the route that, um, you know, <laughs> we want to go down. Um, obviously there's the goddesses of necromancy like Isis and one of her functions is to assist the dying, but it's also to assist the living. But I just wanted to um, talk about patriarchal death um, so one of the things that happened when my father was dying and I was there was that he used me to offload all of this stuff 
And it was almost like he was giving himself a free pass for all of his behavior and chucking it on me. Like the guilt was put on me. And I just thought, well, now I'm absorbing your, excuse me, crap. And um, I didn't like it. And then I, uh, 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 another male relative had then tried to do the same thing for me. And I just said, no, I'm not gonna do that. I literally put my foot down because I've been there before. Um, so it's almost like even in death, uh, men have the upper hand, even in their weakest moment. But when my, when my grandfather was dying, um, I was with him for two weeks and we played chess and I, I was a child, I'd never beat him at chess. And um, he, so he, I had uh, like, I was gonna win. And then he had like some kind of stroke in the middle of the game and then kind of went like that and went blue. And I was like thinking, you know, my 10 year old stuff, oh good, I'm gonna win. And then he just came out and went checkmate and he won it, you know, he won anyway. And it just seems to me that's quite a good description of how, you know, patriarchy sets men up. The system is there for men to win at all angles. And it shouldn't be a question of winning or losing. It should be a question of being and coexisting um in harmony at all times i mean with nature and animals and everything um so in terms of but but there is good news um so that i had i was in glastonbury this is how i got the idea that uh, um you know i'm so grateful for trista for um understanding it that that um you know there was a, a need for a book about grieving with goddess um, which I think is one solution and, and um, you know, is to have a space where women talk and where other people who are willing, um, sorry, vulnerable, um, a book is a very good place when you're vulnerable to retreat into and into other people's voices. But I've met this man in, in the cafe in, in um, Glastonbury and he was grieving, he was an old man and I was drawn to his energy and I, and I went over and I had lunch with him, um, with, with me and my, uh, my partner. And he had said that, and he was obviously very intelligent, he was a professor and, and um, he, he, he'd said, look, I've moved to Glastonbury and I can feel the female energy. And I know it's the time of the goddess. <laughs> and I was like, literally, I was gonna cry. And I just thought, okay, this energy is out there and men are feeling it. Men maybe when their barriers are down. So, and that's the other thing. When your barriers are down, when you're vulnerable, the, the barriers between realms, uh, it, it dissipates and you can see other worlds. And that's when you can talk maybe to the deceased because your armor isn't up. So that what I'm saying is that there's, there is hope that men, very gentle men, and men where they're put into gentle situations, pick up on this. And then also that we can see beyond this illusion uh, to something actually really beautiful that we're all part of, which is, is an energy that's very, very powerful. Um, and I'll mute myself. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Claire. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting about the man in the cafe. Yeah. I mean, we are we are on a planet that is ascending and we are all healing and that does include men. And um, I do believe that the patriarch.
patriarchal system are dying as part of that. They can't survive because they're not a frequency match. And I guess one of the ways that we can influence it is energetically because it's really difficult, I find. And I think we've really touched on this by talking about some of these dying processes and and, and being grief stricken in, in systems that don't fit the kind of human battling against it doesn't kind of work. You can feel it's heavy, it's painful, it's difficult. It, it just doesn't feel like it like it budges the same as if, you know, you kind of feel into the energy of it, which I think is kind of what you were talking about, Claire, there. And if you feel into the energy and the frequency, you can feel that, you know, things are at a tipping point, I feel it always feels a bit like the scales are about to tip for me in terms of this kind of um, divine feminine goddess energy. I, I think, you know, it is kind of here on the planet and yes, even, even men are picking up on it now. Um, women, of course, are maybe more finely attuned to it anyway, naturally, but yeah, I think other genders are picking up on that. And, and I think that's a positive. And I think that is one way in which, which we can patriarchy so it's things like you say like books because books as I'm sure all of you know um um I like their own little entity aren't they they have their own kind of life and their own energy and and even as you're writing I'm in the middle of writing a book and kind of it feels like it's got its own uh soul almost and sometimes I feel like I'm kind of riding the wave the energetic wave of of it rather than being the writer it's kind of almost already there and I'm just bringing it into form so I think you know these kind of things like books existing in the world um, which you're all doing on great scales and art existing in the world which again you know I know that you're taking part in it's those kind of things that actually can influence the energy of the world and I think can infiltrate these patriarchal structures that seem so um tough and so um embedded that you don't feel like you can budge them but i think i think with you know energy perhaps you can i mean does any anybody else have anything to say on that or any other ideas of how we could kind of influence patriarchy without you know banging our head against a brick wall kind of thing trista i um one of my overall goals and dreams is to have a goddess community center, um, initially starting in Bergen, but also all over the world where children can come and learn about the goddess, have an art museum, bookstore, library. But one of the things that I've come up into recently was to have grieving rooms for people who have lost someone, women who have miscarried or had abortions, um, women who have been raped or sexually assaulted because we don't have places, we have women's circles, but we don't have a place where you can come and always be warmly welcomed and, you know, where people know how to work with you in ritual or just sit with you or hold you or whatever it is that you need. Because I think when we have that in the whole world, and I am hopeful that we can, we have churches everywhere, we have mosques and synagogues, we need goddess centers. So that's my big goal. Wow. Sorry, I'm starting to cry. I love that. Absolutely love that. I've been touched by that. That's beautiful. I can get behind that, definitely. Um, 
yeah and then that's kind of like the same way churches have been built in these big buildings and they contain the energy of that you know and kind of almost grounding the energy of religion and therefore patriarchy um yeah to have somewhere really beautiful like that that's based on compassion and the sort of like the more feminine attributes caring compassion nurturing kindness not that men don't have those attributes but they are kind of i'm talking about the the essence the kind of like the yin rather than um it being assigned to an agenda agenda as such um and i think yeah to have those kinds of grounded and built into our reality as a, a place where everybody can go and kind of catch on to that energy as well is a great idea and that that's definitely one that I feel would work that's a, brill a brilliant dream to have Trista I hope that does really come true for you has anybody else got anything they want to add about Arlene what we can do well I was just thinking and, and I'm saying like Trista I love that idea it's um you know like we so slowly plant the seed that for something else to grow beyond patriarchy it's with these these beautiful spaces where women can come regardless of what is happening in their lives um i think for me kind of another i i don't voice this very often because it's usually not taken well but i think one way to to start to to move shift the energy as you were saying from from everything being so patriarchal to 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 more goddess energy is Losing the gender terms. I look at it. Hang with me for a second. Um, I look to nature. I look to goddess for my my wisdom and my way of seeing things. And I think, and I've looked to her a lot to Greek. And I think why, you know, when we have a strong wind, we don't say, oh, wow, that was a male wind. Or we have a gentle breeze, we don't call it, you know, a feminine. We don't, you know, we don't say, you know, well, this aspect of nature is male, this aspect of nature is female. It's just nature. It, it's just, there. Humans are the ones that need to gender religion. And if we could, my personal perspective and, and kind of also part of my raison d'etre is, would we please get rid of the gender term? We just have you know, this person cry. Let's forget the men don't cry thing. Humans cry. Humans grieve. You know, it's not right 
you know, I've been told so many times, I remember when my mom died, you know, my dad, everybody would tell my dad, oh, you're so strong, it's so nice that you're not grieving, you know, and I'm thinking, no, he needs to grieve. My brother, who was an Air Force pilot, was like, well, I can't show my grief. Like, of course you can't. He goes, no, I can't. I mean, we're deeply embedded in the ultra patriarchal system there. But I know when I work with with women, I used to do women's circles. Um, after I left the UN, where I was working with the UN Women in Development Program in developing countries, when I when I retired from that, I did a bunch of different trainings, priestess trainings, and um, two different ones. And then also I studied plant notes. So I wound up having women's circles and then teaching plant medicine. Um, botany was my minor um, in university. And, and we talked a lot about that. And women were like, why can't, why can't our world be like this? Why, why do we have to, Actually, most of the time they said, we're never going to get rid of patriarchy if we constantly add a gender to everything. Because men are never going to be able to, most men are never going to be able to tap into their feelings because that's not what a man does. A man must be strong and you know, protective and heaven forbid, you know, whatever. Um, God is forbid is actually what he says. That a woman come along and 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 you know show this you know the strengths that we would normally attribute to a man. You know, um, I am so thankful for my goddess friends who are of the Amazonian nature, you know, and who, you know, come right in and, I mean, right after Larry died, I was so lost. I, two of my, my girlfriends who are like that came right in and said, we're taking over. This is what we're going to do. You know, you don't have to, you know, you have enough to think about with just all the paperwork. We're going to take care of everything else. They just took control. We don't normally see whether it's in grief or, or, or whatever, you know, looking through that patriarchal lens, we don't normally, we don't normally see things like that happen. It's usually like, well, you need to get, you know, get the men in your family to take care of this and the women in your family can cook. You know, they can, they can bring food. As though there's not anything else they can do. And that is, I don't know, for me, in, in eradicating patriarchy, not even moving into the religious aspect of it, because it's which came first, religion or patriarchy, kind of hard to say. Um, it's allowing humans. just be human 
you know, without having to say, oh, wow, you're being, I mean, one of my sister, sisters-in-law said, you need, need to quit being so male. Your energy is so male. And I said, well, I'm having to fight the system in order to get what my husband needs because nobody's listening to him because he's sick and therefore, obviously, he can't think for himself, according to them. So, you know, of course, I would step in just like any, any, any woman. But then I was, you know, so many times described as being, you know, you know quit being an angry woman. Why can't I just be a strong woman? And I thought, okay. And I, I have to say, there are really good men out And Larry taught me a lot. Larry was a sociologist. And he taught, you know, he taught gender wonders, um, death and dying. And this is that, you know, he would, you know, his goal in the classroom was to just totally upend the whole patriarchal idea of who was what and how things should be done. And I guess I'm kind of the same way, just maybe I love the fact that I love what Claire is doing. I love the fact what I love what Trista is doing and you know giving women around the world a voice. They know we got to They've got to Thank you for bringing that up, Arlene. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's like patriarchy, kind of likes to divide things doesn't it likes to create division and and you can do that very easily by labeling things and placing expectations upon things and people and yeah and I can see as well that you know fifth dimensional consciousness is an embodiment of the goddess to me anyway that that's how I see it and within that everything just is doesn't need to be labeled or separated or projected upon so yeah I see I see what you mean and interestingly I saw these um little baby clothes the other day it was like an advert came up and um it was like boys will be boys and then there was one for girls and it was something about being kind <laughs> and I thought Really? We're going to, you know, put that onto very young children? Yeah. Like, yeah, like Girl. automatically 
you know, and, and why didn't, why can't you get a boy's t-shirt that says, be kind? And a girl's t-shirt that says, girls will be girls. And what does that even mean, you know? So yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from. I can see that now. Yeah. Thank you for that, that contribution. Thank you. I feel like, oh, Claire, do you want to say something? Yeah. Yes, um, I just wanted to say that, um, just add to what um, Trista's been saying and Arlene really, um, which is about getting out into the community. Um, so um, forming, you know, finding your tribe is really important and finding your space within your tribe. Um, I'm an artist, um, so I'm a visual thinker. And I, so I wrote, I wanted to find anger and I did a meter long drawing and there was all the emotions and right, you know, right at the end of a meter spiral of various things was anger. So I think people don't necessarily, especially women, they don't really, and men too, because we've all, we're all living under this sort of illusion. Um, so I, I did a, a series of, um, in the community art projects, looking at violence for women and invited women to um, submit art about what their idea, whether it's personal experiences or, or um, just anything that they wanted to say about, about violence. And it ended up being a series of three with a, um, so the next one I collaborated with um, a forensic psychologist who um, who had a chapter in his book about ex voto and ex voto. I mean, obviously that's patriarchal religion, but when you put it in the female um, realm, it's 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 offerings, it's it's artistic offerings. Uh, so that was the next show, and so that was part of the healing process. And the next one was self portrait. Um, and actually celebrating your own image as you are is a really, really powerful thing. So I think there's, you know, thing, there's things that we can all be doing. Um, and actually, um, a lot of it is around self-love um, and energetic healing. But self-love, I think, is one of the most important things that we can do. And then we can live by example. And, and I think if we live the way that... And I don't do this myself. I think I'm a very hard character. I need to learn to be softer. Um, but uh, if we live our best selves, then other people might notice and they might think, oh, well, how do I do that? <laughs> so that's sort of where I'm at with getting out in the community. And, and, and I, I, I love Trista's idea of having the place where people can come, a uh, cup of tea, light an incense stick, you know, um, take you out of your um, neural pathway that's set in the samskara and bring it out, whether it's with a bing or a gong or, you know, or, or just a chat. I think it's really, really good. So, and that I'll, I'll, I'll mute myself. <laughs> I'm glad that you said that. Thank you um, for bringing up self-love because I do think that's so important. And because we are, you know, or I believe anyway, that we are all connected through through love, because we're all born through love. So we're connected races in an in you know an unseen way. If we kind of love our own hearts, then I think that has a ripple effect and 
goes out into into the world and I think um you know if you're kind of around somebody that loves themselves you can sense that a bit like being around somebody that doesn't and you can sense that and I think it can kind of almost energetically rub off on you a little bit so I think if we all kind of focus on loving ourselves and loving our own hearts then that does infuse our whole environment and the people in our lives and around us with that kind of um very goddess-like self-love energy and that and that that can tip things and yes I also love Trista's Trista's vision so I feel like we've kind of maybe started to trail off a bit and go into a different kind of elements here I think grief maybe we've kind of rounded that up does anybody have anything else that they would like to say no are we done then so I want to give you all the opportunity to just kind of um tell the audience where they can find you if they want to contact you or if they want to see any of your art or buy your books or um go on your websites whatever so do you want to kind of just one by one, maybe just share where people can, if you want to, of course, if you don't want to share that, you don't have to. And I will also put it into the show notes for people. Does anybody want to share where they can be found? No? Claire, you do? Okay. Um, just briefly. I mean, um, I can be found in the pages of, girl god books <laughs> and also um, rtme uh on e-magazine and uh my artistic work can be found at south london women artists on their website thank you very much wonderful thank you arlene um i wanted to say i can also be found in in Girl God Books, and I'm also a contributor to RT and um, monthly contributor. Um, I on Facebook, it's for Sacred Wild, remembering the wild soul of woman. And I'm currently working on a face on a a website, and that will just be her Sacred Wild. Yeah, you know, on Facebook, if you just Google, if you just type in her sacred wild my page will come up and um, it's got a lot of my art a lot of my writing okay what a gift thank you let people know where they can find you or girl god books i'm just going to jump in there for those who don't know what RTM is it's returned to Mago and they also have a wonderful Facebook group um, so I would encourage people to check that out as well um, and you can find me at thegirlgod.com or uh, social media is girlgodbooks I handle everything so thank you so much Luna okay, yeah, and Claire and Arlene so yeah, thank you all for your wonderful contributions. And I feel like I've learned so much. And I feel like I've been absolutely blessed, actually, to be in your company today and to hear your wisdom and your 
take on the great. So thank you so much for joining and doing that. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Has anybody got any last thing that they want to say before I end the call? Um, I wanted to thank you um, for holding this podcast and uh, being so beautiful while you did it. And I do actually feel quite emotional. So thank you very much. Oh, you're so welcome. You're very welcome. Thank you. I feel the same way. I think it's not. A, I don't know what I was expecting. You know, it feels tremendous benefit emanating out from the conversation. And thank you to Claire and. Yeah, thank you all. Okay. So thank you all for joining and thank you to our audience as well for coming along and either watching or listening. It's always lovely to have you along and I hope to be back soon with another one of these. Take care, everybody. It's been lovely to connect. Thank you so much and many blessings to all of you. Thank you. Bye.